we're going on to uh, Acts chapter 8, uh, going from 25 to 40. And then we might get into... Uh, yeah, why don't we start here, and then if we can, we'll get to Acts chapter 9. Okay, starting from verse 23. So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get ready, and go south of the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got ready and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, Well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture which he was reading was, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb that is silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his justice was taken away. Who will describe his generation? For his life is is taken away from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and and beginning from uh, this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water! What prevents me from being baptized? And he ordered that the chariot stop, and that both, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Uh, let's go on to uh, chapter 9 also. Uh, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that he, if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his uh, his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Damascus, in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and asked for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me, to see, uh, sent me that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fa- fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on, his, on this name. 
And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him, but Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him, but his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket, though through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him in, took him and brought him to the disciples. Amen. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. I wanted to start with uh, the Ethiopian uh, eunuch. And uh, I just, I, I wanted to give you the significance of uh, the word of God. In, in uh, February, about the second Sunday, we're going to start a Bible reading campaign. Uh, we already did a pilot uh, with some of our core leaders and ministry leaders in uh, November, December. And we're going to be uh, doing a full citywide campaign, joining uh, other numerous churches in Singapore. Solomon's Porch in Hong Kong was a part of this Bible reading campaign last year. And it's a 40-day reading campaign. We're going to provide all the information, all the apps and everything. And it's an opportunity for all of us to, one, to, to become more consistent in, in, in you know, uh, uh, finding a place in time where we spend with God, but two, also getting more into His Word, you know, becoming a Bible literate church, you know, leaders, ministry leaders, uh, newcomers, members, uh, just really getting into the Word. And so here you have a man, an Ethiopian eunuch, who's reading the Scriptures, and he doesn't understand what it's saying. You know, he has a desire, he has an intent. I was talking with a, a brother, he gave me permission to share, uh, John Leck, and he was sharing with me how he had, you know, uh, uh, gone to church, he had read the Bible, he had tried, you know, numerous uh, Bible reading plans, and, you know, he, he, would, he would go through the motions of reading it, but there wouldn't be any um, impact. You know, it, it, it wasn't really getting anything out of it. And he started from the Old Testament, and he was telling me how he struggled with it. Uh, he gave this, you know, he was sharing how, uh, uh, you know, the Bible reading plans these days, you know, have uh, segments of the New Testament, a psalm, and then it, it'll bring you through some of the Old Testament. And so it kind of, it, it tries to reference or, or somewhat relatable themes uh, to a degree. Um, and so he's reading this. And so unless someone came and brought revelation, you know, there, there are certainly, and I've said this many times before, uh, scholars, uh, secular teachers, uh, there's, there's Bible as literature, uh, and so there are, you know, uh, professors in secular seminary, uh, sorry, uh, secular educational institutions who aren't believers who teach the Bible, who know the historicity and, and you know, maybe even knows references and scriptures better than most pastors. But the scriptures by themselves, unless God gives you revelation, right? The, the book itself, uh, uh, you know, the revelation of a person who is Jesus has to manifest from the pages. And so you have to approach the scriptures with the intent, right? It's, it's, you know, you have a Bible, physical. You have to approach the scriptures with the intent of meeting with a person that is Christ our Lord Jesus, right? Through the scriptures, you know, I, I don't want to make it so, uh, uh, you know, make it sound so, so spiritual. I, I, mean, it, I mean, it is spiritual. It has to be spiritual. I, I don't want to make it sound so, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, uh, 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 you know, the point is, you, you, you want to not, not just leave having read a book and having more theology and having more understanding or having just memorized the scripture. Those things are good. Those things are valuable. And certainly if you have a relationship with Jesus, you know, it, uh, it's, not, you know it, it's beneficial. 
But at the end of the day, every day, you know, it's, it's, I don't know if it's like a, <clears throat> James uh, uh, fashions the book, uh, the Bible, the scriptures as a mirror. And so you open this book and you read the scriptures and truth and light and the person of Christ is revealed. And then when you see this light and this person revealed, then it should, it, it should naturally, automatically then, you know, if, the, if, if the, you know, Jesus is the light, if God is light, and as you spend time reading this book and, and, it, and, and it exposes light on you, it should automatically highlight places in your life that are in darkness. You know, it should automatically reveal and illuminate areas in life that are in disalignment. Right? And that's why James says, if, if the light, you know, as you're meeting with Jesus, the scriptures, you read it, you pray. That's why it's so important you, you get to this place of meeting with God. And then you go into the scriptures. And then God brings you revelation. And then in that place, you know, when you see there's a disalignment or, or an area in your life where you need to work on, then you work on that and then you make the necessary changes. And, and James says, if you look at the Word as a mirror and then you see the deficiencies or the disalignments or the areas of darkness and the areas that God is exposing, and then you don't do anything about it, it's like looking in a physical mirror when you wake up and your hair is messed up and, and, and you know, your, your teeth aren't clean and, and, and you, don't, you don't even care for it and you just go out as if, as if you didn't even look at the mirror. You, you totally forgot uh, the impressions or the reflections that it provided. And so in the same way, when we read the scriptures, there should be something that it reveals to us that needs cleaning or adjustment or, or combing or, or, or alignment. And then we do that. And so, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's the power of the scriptures. The power of the scriptures is not in our ability to memorize uh, uh, scriptures and to quote scriptures. The power of scriptures is the ability to see Jesus and then to come into relation with him and then for him to speak to us. It should be, it should be seeking, you know, intimate, personal time with Jesus. And so I don't know if I've ever said it in that way. And I don't know if that's why, you know, people have a hard time, you know, doing quiet times because it feels like homework or it feels like uh, just going through the motions. But the ultimate goal of reading the scriptures is that through the scriptures, spiritually and supernaturally, it then kind of, kind of, you know, lifts the veil on the person of Christ that is right there in the room with you. And then he starts speaking to you through the scriptures. And then he starts speaking to you in the supernatural. And then he starts bringing revelation. And then he starts connecting all these passages and, and, and things that come together. And so Philip, uh, uh, you know, this, this person is reading it. He doesn't understand it. Philip, who now has, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Philip, this, you know, the eunuch doesn't know Jesus, reads the scripture, doesn't understand it. Philip knows Jesus personally comes and says, I know who exactly who this is talking about, and is able to bring revelation. And in that moment, then the eunuch says, yes. What does he say? Yes. Praise God, I have understanding of theology. No. Praise God, I know who this is talking about. I know who, what these scriptures, eternal scriptures are, who they're pointing to. It's a person. Who, you know, he says, who is this person? Who is this talking about? He says, now I know who it is, and I want to be a follower of him. Right? And I want to be baptized. Uh, uh, and, and this should be the desire and intent of all of us who are, who are seeking the scriptures. Um, and so we're doing this 40-day Bible reading campaign, Faith Comes by Hearing. And uh, I think it's going to be exciting. If you commit to 40 days of committing yourself to the scriptures, you know, listening to it. I, I did it during the, the, the you know, sample pilot. I think we did it for about, what was it, three weeks, was it? Was it 21 days? 
Yeah. Um, and it's, it's wonderful. You know, listening to the Bible, you can actually listen to it on a little bit higher speed. And so you can get through a lot more. And there's something about listening to it as well. Um, Saul, who, who uh, oversaw the uh, 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 killing of, uh, of Stephen, uh, is now uh, you know, taking it up a gear. And he wants to persecute the church even further. And so Paul, uh, Saul, um, he's a believer of God, uh, but he doesn't realize this movement of God that is happening uh, through the Holy Spirit. And um, he's, he's basically going to break up the church more, as much as he can. And on the road to Damascus, uh, he has this encounter with God. I, I think it's always fascinating. I think it's, it, it's, it's sometimes mind-boggling that here's a person who is fervent for God, you know, doing what he believes in his heart that you know, is for God. He really, I mean, more devout, more on fire, fervent, you know, really believes that this, this, this new movement is not from God and persecuting it. Um, and then, and then you know, like, like fully in, you know, full-time, you know, vocational. I mean, this is his job. And then to find that he's totally off track, that he's totally disconnected, that he actually has no idea the direction and the move of God. And so much to the point where when God himself, Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? You know, Saul can't even recognize his voice. He's like, Lord, Lord, is that, is that you? Right. And, uh, and so the Lord, you know, has a divine, personal intervention into his life. Uh, and totally flips his world upside down. The scriptures tells us that uh, uh, he was blind for three days. He didn't eat or drink anything. Um, and then it says that God came uh, uh, and spoke to Ananias. And it says, go to Saul and lay hands and pray for him and tell him you know, the things that I have planned for him. Um, you know, I love this picture uh, because as, as God is... You know, moving in Saul's life, you know, brokenness, separation, you know, uh, living in, uh, uh, unknowingly living in sin. As God is calling Saul and intervening into his life, at the same time, God is working in others, Ananias, to, uh, uh, you know, eventually bring Saul into the community and to care for him. There's a couple things that, that really stood out to me. And I just want to highlight that. One is uh, when God is, is moving in you for something, chances are he's moving in others as well. Right? When, when God is moving in you, when God, when God gives you a word, when God gives you a directive, and maybe it's difficult, maybe it's something, chances are that, that, you know, because God understands that, you know, we're a community, because God understands that we're one, because God understands oftentimes the burden may be too great for one to carry, oftentimes... You know, as you're praying, God is probably has already, even before you prayed, you know, put it upon someone's heart to pray for you also. There are probably people in your house church. There are probably you know, friends and family who in different seasons and times. And, and, and we don't always uh, uh, take the, the effort to check and care. But I, I guarantee you in, in, in some of the most difficult seasons in your life and some of the biggest breakthroughs in your life, that during that same time that God had angels or people you know, who were praying and, and just covering. And, and you know, there are people that God has placed 
uh, for, you know, uh, you on their hearts to cover and pray for you. And so when you think about that, 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 you know, that God is actively moving, that there's a, there's a cloud of witness, that, that, that you know, the value of being a part of a community, that, you know, the value of being a part of a church that prays and has intercessors and, and, and pray that, you know, uh, uh, that, that their DNA is about fasting and prayer. You have a community of people who you know, literally are just walking through the day and something prompts them and stops them. Man, I just feel like I've got to pray for this person. You have, you have random people in the church who you know, stop and, and feel like you know, the Lord just told me to text you and encourage and just you know give you this word. You have people who are sleeping in the random in the middle of the night will wake up and you know the Lord impressed your, you on my heart and I was just praying for you. We, have, we you know we have stuff like that going on and that's that's God from up here saying He sees you, He sees your struggles and He's moving and and so always know whatever you're going through, no matter how isolated, how difficult, that there are others in the church because God cares, God's people cares, and and, and so God is you know uh, relaying that and so you know you're never alone. Uh, uh, you know if if the Lord prompts you. You know, you may not know this, you know, newcomer or individual or someone in church and prompts you, man, don't second guess that. Just just get on your knees. Right? It, you know, it doesn't have to be so, you know, dramatic or so theatrical. Right? For whatever reason, you're just, you're just going through your day, doing your thing, and all of a sudden a thought pops up. You know, wow, that was random. And, and, and it's attached to an individual. Man, get on your knees and start calling out and start praying for that person. Right? And, and then, then you'll know that God is up to something and moving. And, and we don't always get to connect the dots. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you, sometimes you will and you're going to praise God here and He, he deserves the praise anyways. But when you go to heaven, you're going to see all the places and all the designs and all the divine appointments and all the places where you were participatory, where others were participatory and how it moved the whole family and, and the community of God together. Um, so while Saul is like in the darkest hour of his life, wondering if he's abandoned, judged, and forgotten, God is moving in other people, stirring them. Hey man, there's this guy I love, and uh, he's, he's just in a really bad place. You need to go to him. You need to minister to him. And, and that's what Ananias does. He comes. Uh, secondly, uh, Paul, uh, you know, as a, as a born again or a new believer... Right? I think this is a beautiful picture of a born-again new believer you know, as, a, as an infant, you know, just birthed you know, in Christ. Or, or physically, as a baby is birthed. You know, a, a baby can't feed itself. A baby can't uh, 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 care for itself. You know, for the first few days or first few seasons, it has to be nurtured and cared for. And, and that should be the mentality of, of all new believers. If you have a friend or, or someone uh, uh, who... You, you, you perceive, though they may have come to church you know, uh, uh, by tradition, though they may have been around the church or for many years, but they're coming to this place of really ex- experiencing and encountering God. Or you have a friend who wants to join the church, um, you know, who's not a believer, uh, uh, you know, gets saved. You know, there's a season, a period of time where it's vital it's vital, absolutely paramount that you as a mature believer care for this individual, especially during the first seasons of their faith. You know, care for them and teaching them how to read the Bible, how to, how to not, just, not just read the Bible, but how to encounter Jesus in the scriptures. You know, uh, teach them and, and, and you know, charge them and, and encourage them to commit to their small group, to be a part of, of this you know, weekly community that breaks bread, that prays for each other and fellowships together. And so even, even Saul, with all his you know, theological knowledge, needed to be nurtured and cared for. I mean, literally blinded. He literally knew nothing of this way and for a season. So all of us, you know, I, I hope it's, it's, it's our desire in our hearts to bring 
your friends, your colleagues, people outside of the church into a relationship with the Lord. And then you have this incredible privilege of walking them through the very basics, the very, uh, 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 you, know, uh, you know, introduction of faith. And uh, what, what a privilege. What an honor. My, my prayer for you, every single one of you here, right, this year, every single one of you here this year would bring at least one non-church, non-church going believer into the church, into your house church. They come to faith and you're able to convey to them uh, uh, the beauty and the love uh, of your relationship with the Lord and uh, walk them through that. And so it's absolutely vital. It's not enough just to invite people to church. It's not enough just to invite people to listen to a sermon or a service online. You know, we have to you know, take them by their hand. We have to nurture and care for them. It's, it's the love. It's the care. It's, it's the potlucks. It's the Bible studies. It's the fellowship. Man, that really you know, draws them in and helps them to form their relationship uh, uh, with the Lord. Um, uh, uh, it says that once uh, after that, after he was prayed for, uh, uh, you know, I think Saul, uh, he had a relationship with God. He had a passion for God, but it was just off the mark a bit. And without knowing he was persecuting uh, uh, the Lord Jesus himself, the revelation of God. And, um, and then soon after he begins going into teaching and, and, and theological debate. I, I would say Paul is a, 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 an exception, an anomaly. Uh, uh, one chosen, one who was already to a degree walking. Um, but usually, uh, uh, you know, people have to go through the discipleship courses, you know, spend time uh, in the Word, have an understanding. Uh, you know, a lot of new believers coming to the church don't have any understanding of the Scriptures or whatever Scriptures they do have, you know, very limited uh, uh, understanding or revelation of the person of Christ. Um, the disciples are freaked out. The disciples don't believe that uh, uh, Saul has had a genuine conversion. Uh, they think it's a, it's, a, it's a trick or a scheme or a plan, you know, to infiltrate and get in and then probably draw out the leadership and then imprison them. Um, and, if, and had it not been for this person uh, by the name of Barnabas in verse 27, Barnabas is the same guy, I think, uh, in Acts uh, chapter 4 or five, 5, was it, where he sells his tract of land and was the first, and then afterwards, consequently, was Ananias and Sapphira. Um, you know, he's, he's known as a son of encouragement. Uh, um, no, not son of encouragement. Uh, um, what if it? What is it? Brother, uh, uh, he's known for for uh, basically being an encourager. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ministries called you know like Barnabas Ministry, and and their purpose and goal is to encourage and to connect people and to draw people into community. And so Barnabas, you know, takes a, a, a step of faith. This incredible faith, if you think about it. I mean, even the disciples are not willing to meet, but Barnabas, something prompts him, man. If, if this guy is for the kingdom, this, this is going to be awesome, right? And so he just like, all right, I'm going to put myself on the line. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to connect with him. Maybe I'm going to end up in prison. This is like an Esther moment, you know, microcosm. Like if I die, I die. If I go to prison, I go to prison, right? And Barnabas goes out and connects, builds a religion, and, and then sees for himself that this guy really has had an encounter with the Lord. And then he, he bridges that gap. You know, there are a lot of people in the church that just need someone, right? They're, they're all game. Like, they're all in. They're, they're like, given the opportunity. They're full in SP. They're full in in service. 
But there's this like weird moment for like, I don't know, like a week or like a month and you know, they're waiting, we're waiting and you know, is someone going to invite me to their home for a meal? Is someone going to invite me to after church to hang out? Is like, you know what I mean? They're, I can't imagine how many countless people who are just waiting to, you know, and I understand this thing, you know, it takes two hands to clap and I've heard that before. I totally get it. But the onus is going to be on you, not on them. The onus is going to be on me, on the ones who have been in the church for, you know, for a season. The onus is on us to go out and say, hey, my name is, you know, how long have you been and, and whatnot. And, you know, and, and can, can we invite you over and, and get to know. And I remember I was a missionary in northeast China and, uh, uh, you know, didn't know anybody. And, and, and so I you know, loved it, loved being there. It was, it was just a you know, fantastic season in my life. And I just remember this random uh, family you know, no connection, not even the same area. I was, I was teaching English or teaching something else. And, um, you know, random morning, they just said, hey, would you want to come over for breakfast? You know, we'd love to get to know you. And I, and I came and they're a German family and uh, they, had, they had five kids at that time. Eventually they'd have seven. And I, I, just, I, just, I was just so blown away at their kindness. And we, we built a relationship and loved their kids. And, and, and to this day, I, you know, I, I keep in touch with them and message them once in a while. Uh, their kids are all grown up. You know, uh, a couple of them married, have kids already. It's just, it's just amazing. But I was just so blown away that they just wanted to hear my story. They just wanted to know where I was from. And, and so what an incredible opportunity that we have. You know, so many people come through our church. And, and, you know, the next future leaders, the next future, you know, committed members. And, you know, simply by an invite, by saying, hey, you know, I, you know what's your name? I'd, I'd like to get to know you. And, and that's, that's, a, that's a vital ministry of the church. I think there are a lot of people who never got that invitation, who hovered around for a season and then kind of just disappeared. Right. And so, you know, in, the, in, in 2021, you know, I tell you, I, I, not, not all of you here are here on Sundays. I'm there. Uh, uh, we had 75 the f- uh, first Sunday, I think. Uh, of the year and then we had uh, 50 or 55 the second Sunday of the year it, it feels like we're starting over again as a church uh, I understand that there's some, some, some restrictions in terms of being able to connect with people and I understand that you know, a whole swath of our community until children's ministry comes you know, is available can't come as well um, but, but you know, start practicing that now you know, if I, I charge you, challenge you start doing that now even with people you've you know, known or haven't connected with you know, that, that, that can be you know, uh, 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 something as well you know, see people that you've seen in the community but haven't really connected with you know, get a group of people two or three, invite them over you know, have a meal together and just break bread and share each other's testimony hey come over, we, want, we just want to get to know you. What's your, you know where are you from, what's your name, what's your story have a meal together and then start interconnecting, even, even within and even with, you know, outside of your house churches. Um, as a result, you never know. You know, Apostle Paul you know, wrote uh, uh, the majority of the New Testament, impacted the church uh, for generations to come, an instrument and tool of God's kingdom. How exciting, you know, as you bring new believers into the church and as you minister and bond and connect and grow with uh, other longtime church members, who knows that one of these individuals might be uh, 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 you know, a pillar of the church, a leader of the church, a future pastor of the church, a future you know, house church, and, and what, a, what, a, what a legacy and what a, what a history uh, uh, you know, of your service to God. And this idea that we're part of a greater family, and this idea that, you know, that uh, you know, individual growth and whatnot in our community is all interconnected, and that God is moving. Amen? Uh, let's bow our heads. Um, ask yourself this morning, does something need to change in the way you read the Bible? 
right? What, what's, 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 what's the disconnect? What, what's missing, right? What, what, what's the reason? Why, 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 why am I getting nothing out of it? Is it, is it I'm there, but I'm not really there? You know, is it, I just feel bad if I don't do it? You know what? What is it? Is it? Is it? You just have a hard time connecting with the Lord. You have a hard time connecting with the Lord. Let's pray this morning, and now let's ask the Lord. Lord, I don't know what I have to do differently. I don't know if, if it's my heart, if it's my posture, if it's my approach, if it's my uh, commitment to time. Uh, you know, something needs to be adjusted. I, I need more than just Bible knowledge. Lord, I need you. Every time I open the scriptures, Lord, I know it's supposed to be a, a, a doorway or an opening where you yourself, your heart gets imprinted merged with my heart. I, I, I know that. So Lord, what do I need to do? Right? To, to clear that blockage. Lord, I need to hear from you this year. I need to hear from you. I need you to walk me through every day. I can't just fill up a devotional journal. Lord, I, I, I need you. So spread that prayer in your heart. And uh, if, if you, if that is the desire of your heart, I can give you a very simple tool. I have, you know, maybe I can give you a testimony about that on Monday uh, of, of uh, lives that have been transformed because of the, uh, the different way that they began to read the Bible. I can, I can teach you that. Um, secondly, you know, who might the Lord be pressing, impressing on your heart uh, to reach out to? Right? Maybe, maybe a few people, not, maybe not you know, one-on-one necessarily, but maybe two or three people. You know, just invite them over, you know, initiate, and just get to know within your house church and, and even outside the church, uh, house church, and especially outside the church. Right? And build those relationships. Believing in faith that if you were to reach out to someone who doesn't go to church, that at that same time, God might be working in their hearts. Right? How exciting would that be? Believing, what if I go out and invite this person who doesn't go to church and believing just like Saul and Ananias that God might at the same time have already been, who knows, working in this person's life and that you might have been the connection that brought them to this revelation. So just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let Him, let him convict our hearts this morning. And who might that one or two individuals be?